Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Steve Holman and Sanjeev Thakar of Zelium by Ico. Oh, yeah. Ico's making a move, buddy. And they're making that move right into the IoT space, Greg. That's right, with their Xi-Fi Zelium intelligent LED light fixture uh, controls. Yeah. So they have them available that are motion sensor, integrated PIR, microwave, occupancy sensor, daylight sensor, RF communication, battery backup. Everything you can, everything you'll need. But the the key point with this is that they're making it simple. They have an easy inter- interface to use. There's not a lot of commission involved. It's kind of all intelligent, easy to work with, which is always a downfall of lighting controls, as we've talked about. Uh, but they're they're going to make it easy to reduce the energy, reduce the install time, uh, simple operation, and just increase safety and security is a goal with Zelium. You know what I think? You know, it's ico.com and then click on Zelium. And so it's Zelium by Ico. Um, you go to mm-hmm. ico.com to check it out. But I think what most people should do is if you're a lighting distributor, you need to start thinking about how you're going to make your move in this space. And if you have an account with Ico, give them a call, find some peeps to come down to your shop and give a presentation on Zelium. Like, That's right. start teaching your salespeople about it, man. Get some Ex- sales. Yeah. Increase it. Let's Even go. or just that you know, start with the awareness and just saying, "Hey, next time, just have have the guys that and the gals that are out selling projects, they're out working with customers every day. Have them ask Zelium some questions. Have them ask your ICO rep some questions, so that you can start facilitating the conversation. So then they can go then turn to their clients and ask them questions. So you go to ICO.com, or if you're a lighting distributor, you know where to find ICO. Everyone's got an account with ICO, man. Come on, I got an account with ICO. You got an account with ICO. Get them in your shop. Right. Get, get a little lunch and learn going with those guys. I'm sure they'd love it. So go to ico.com, check out Zelium. Of course, Ico's a member of the National Association of Innovative Lending Distributors. Man, long-time member. Long-time member. Great uh, person or company to work with, for sure. And you can check them out in Biloxi. You don't even have to have them in your shop. Come on down to Biloxi. April 19th to 23rd, man. Check us out. Check them out. Check it all out in Biloxi, Mississippi. But for right now... You can hear more about Zelium by Ico from Steve Holman and Sanjeev Thacker on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. We have Greg. We got uh, Sanjeev Thakar from Zelium. Did I pronounce that correctly? Correct, which is now owned by Ico. Right. And we have Steve Holman from Ico, and the two have become one. <laughs> right. That's correct. I'm actually from, I'm actually from Zelium. I'm, I'm repping my Ico shirt. Oh, okay. Now, so, so you're but, representing uh, we are, Ico. We are one. That's right. And we have a rare uh, rare four-pack here. That's nice to see. Ooh, we haven't had a four-pack in a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you so, go. So, guys, tell me, who wants to take it first to tell me the, how Zelium started as a company and how it came to be owned by Ico? Wants to take that one. Sure. You want me to take that, Steve? Yeah, start off and uh, I'll fill in a little bit, but go ahead. All right. Uh, Zillium was started by someone who's kind of a uh, serial tech entrepreneur, if you will, a guy by the name of Bob Diamond. His claim to fame was essentially commercializing caller ID in the United States back in the late 1970s, early 1980s. And uh, from there, he went on to start a couple other companies, uh, Zillium being one of them. Um, and Zelium, you know, given his background in kind of technology, controls, communication protocols, so on and so forth, it made a lot of sense to us. We kind of came into lighting about nine, 10 years ago at this point. And, uh, you know, that, that's the point at which the industry was shifting towards controls-driven automation, if you will. And given his background, that was kind of a perfect fit. Uh, lighting was kind of transitioning from mechanical to electronic. So, you know, now that you've got electronics in the ceiling instead of mechanical items, you can start to offer a lot more functionality through these devices. And so we were, you know, a controls company and a manufacturer from day one. It's not like we were a lighting manufacturer first that got into the controls game a little bit later. Is that a good enough it's background right. or story? Yeah. And then how long ago <laughs> did uh, did you guys, was um, was it uh, was it an acquisition by ICO? Correct. And yeah, that was we earlier were... this year, about seven, eight months ago at this point. Yeah, okay. that's right. And so you guys started in, in with the marriage of controls and LED luminaires from the beginning. What technological platform is Zelium based on? Uh, we're, uh, uh, let's my name's Steve that. Holman. Yeah, my name's Steve Holman. I'm an hey, engineering Steve. manager at Zelium. So, okay. hey. Um, but uh, we're based on 433 megahertz, uh, sub-gigahertz communication. So um, 
uh, each of our lights sort of acts as a node on a mesh flood network. And um, each light communicates and passes messages from one to the other, and it passages, passes its motion sensing data. Uh, each fixture has sensors built into it. So uh, that gets passed along, and then we have a central coordinator on USB that talks to our app, and then the data gets gets set or read through through that. So um, each light is its own network uh, node on the network. Uh, that's how it works. Is it different than Bluetooth Mesh, or how is it different? I guess because you guys don't advertise it um, as that. It's Zi-Fi. That's right. It, it, we we call it Zi-Fi. It's not Wi-Fi. It's not Bluetooth. We call it Zi-Fi. It's its own thing. So. Um, uh, it's it's uh, it's not on the Bluetooth frequency. It doesn't utilize Bluetooth. Uh, it's it's a different uh, it's a different way of communicating, and and it was built from the ground up by us uh, utilizing that RF uh, four thirty three megahertz. So why is it better than Bluetooth, or what what's different about it? I guess I don't. I know you said a number there four hundred thirty three. Sure. I, I don't really know what that means. Right. But. It's it's a long right. It's a longer wavelength than than Bluetooth would be, so that gives you longer distances through the transmission. Also with longer wavelengths, you get better penetration through uh, thicker materials like concrete. So it passes through more levels of floors. Say if you have fixture installed in a stairwell or if you have the walls in your building, it, it can penetrate through that and perpetuate through longer distances. So our main application areas so far have been uh, parking garages, stairwells, warehouses, larger commercial environments where that that technology in particular is successful and ideal. What are your values as it relates to um, the interoperability of connected lighting? So that, that's a great question. Uh, there's really two ways to yeah. look at control systems, uh, you know, in general in the market. One is breadth of offering. How much functionality can I cram into one control system to extend the most functionality to my customer? That is not the stance we're taking. We're kind of looking at the flip side of that and saying, how easy can we make it, not just to program and commission uh, light fixtures that are installed, but then also hand it off to the customer in a manner that's very easy for them to operate beyond the time of install, right? Um, and, and there's a lot of functionality, you know, we've learned a lot by trial and error, so to speak, uh, in the sense that we initially came out with our control system six, seven years ago, and through trial and error, we learned what works and what doesn't work from a programming and commissioning standpoint, because what we found is that with most control systems on the market, and you talk to the installers of these control systems, right, electrical, electrical contractors being the main uh, category of folks that are, are kind of conducting or, or, or going through that work, uh, they have a lot of complaints uh, regarding some of these more robust control systems, if you will, in the sense that things change so rapidly that even if you're doing one project with controls company X and you do a second project with that same controls company six months down the road, so much has changed within that system that they kind of have to relearn it. There's a learning curve and things are changing so rapidly at this point. We basically decided to limit or minimize the functionality that we extend to our customers. And really, there's five core functions of our product, right? One is the ability to group and zone fixtures. Two is the ability to adjust high and low outputs. Three is the ability to adjust uh, or set motion timeout parameters. So how long before a fixture dims down uh, when there's lack of motion or, or, or daylight in the area? And uh, you know, four is scheduling and five is daylight harvesting. And, and, and that you know, core set of functionality seems to meet the demand of 95% of the market, so to speak. Which one of those five is the most important? Well, I think grouping and zoning, it, it, it all starts from there, right? Uh, the ability to one fixture versus a group or set of fixtures. Um, and, and beyond that, you know, the way we kind of envisioned grouping from day one was very different than the rest of the market. Our, our control system you know, beyond the ability to group and zone fixtures, you've got Lego-like modularity. So we found early in the game that a lot of lighting customers, they have the budget to retrofit building A this year, building B next year, building C next year. There may be walkways connecting the two buildings, so on and so forth. And oftentimes we'd get a question, well, when we do building B, can we kind of tie the last two lights in building A to the walkway and the first two lights in building B? With a lot of third-party control systems out there, you have to plan ahead for that sort of thing, or and make, you know, potentially make an upfront capital investment. Whereas with Zelium slash Ico light fixtures, it's it's very much like Lego. It's it's so easy a kid could do it, and that, and that's the honest truth. But I I want to ask you again in terms of interoperability among brands. If you go with a Zelium fixture, do you have to stay with a Zelium fixture, or are there other 
is your tech your your wireless technology licensed to other manufacturers? Can anyone else build this and and operate it on the Zelium platform, or does everything have to come from Zelium? As of Great question, right now, uh, the fix. Yeah, the fixtures. One at a time, guys. One at a time. Yeah, it sounds like there's a bit of a delay. But uh, it, it, the way it started was to add value to our own uh, light fixtures. So, uh, like Sanjeev was saying, uh, originally we uh, we built up our own light fixtures from scratch, and then we we added this extra value to it by integrating these sensors and these controls, and we built our own control system from the ground up. Uh, now, what we're doing with Ico fixtures, like we were recently merged with them, but we're going to be um, adding our technology into their platform. And uh, from there, we're looking to expand out um, our system to to be licensed by anybody or used by anybody. Right now, though, uh, you're right. It is a technology that's only in our fixtures has been made to be integrated into them. But um, in engineering right now, we're working on uh, modularizing that technology so it can be expanded. But at the moment, not not quite. I assume it's a component that you add into the fixture. Is that is that correct? And does it, that component do all five of the items that you mentioned? Or is it possible? There's a component. Yeah, there, there's an intelligence module. Uh, we we try to make our modules as low cost as possible, and we're trying to scale up. But it, our, our module has a radio on it, uh, has a processor, and um, it, it has the onboard sensors, motion sensors, and everything. So it fits neat, neatly into some of our packages, some of our Light fixtures are IP65 waterproof rated, so that is integrated into it, and all the user has to do is to power up the fixture, and it's all there. Um, as as we move forward and try to break that out into other products, we'll have to um, make sure it connects easily to other other people's uh, fixtures. But right now, we've kind of accommodated our own fixtures to in- implement that uh, that electronics module, that intelligent one. So there's a uh, there's a um... Uh, a kind of a theme on this show when it comes to controls. And in my career, I called it the boom-bust cycle. I've seen two boom and bust cycles for controls where the first was like the early 2000s and, you know, people were, you know, know, companies, um, sensor switch being one of them and others were, Wattstopper, were pushing uh, analog controls very, very hard. And I went for training for that and controls were going to take over the world. And then, you know, most lighting guys eliminated the controls from their, their, their packages on projects. The second one was, um, cat five, two analog controls. And that was, uh, what was that company called? Um, Incilium was probably with a leader of that kind of realm where, you know, you're going to wire up the whole building in cat five cables. And, you know, to me, that was another bust that, you know, uh, just didn't seem to make sense for the end user uh, to right. you know run miles of Cat5 cable to controls um, and so on. And now we seem to be in another phase where it looks like controls are going to take another run at being um, a part of every lighting project moving forward. I'm not a believer in that yet, but uh, what's different this time? You know, you know, this time is different, right? Yeah. What is it this time yeah. that you guys think is different? Well, we were talking about values earlier. Um, you know, but what installers value is a control system that doesn't give them a headache, that gives them a lot of value at the same time. So if if you can provide a sensor or a module that easily latches onto your, your light fixture and it gives you the cost savings that you're looking to with the energy savings, it, it also gives you um, a very straightforward, easy to use, like nothing, nothing complicated, no complicated topologies, no extra, you know, routers in between or anything like it's just the light fixture. And it, it's just that um, for our system, that's really the value and the philosophy that we've tried to pursue. Uh, because if, if you make it, I don't know, if you make it too expensive, then it's not worthwhile. And then nobody really wants to implement it. And you, you don't really see the value in it. Then then it's not going to really take off. So our philosophy has been to, um, you know, make that make that integration as easy uh, as far as installing it to the fixture physically, as well as installing it on your machine and using it. All of that um, it, it makes for a much better control system overall compared to, especially the ones that I've seen on, on the market as competitors, because a lot of them get uh, really really complex sometimes in their design, 
And um, it, it's, it's kind of opaque as far as looking into what they're actually doing and providing until you get your hands on it and you're like, wow, this is really complicated. So, so we're trying to make that easy. And, and that's, been, that's been our approach. Uh, what everybody else in, in the market as far as the cycle is doing, um, hopefully that helps us stand apart and uh, makes us more successful in the competition. Yeah, and, and I think we're at a point where the market has had a general realization, right, Michael? I think that's a great question and a great point. But uh, yeah. I, I think today, a majority of the market realizes how much they're wasting, not just from an energy uh, perspective, but also a capital perspective, right, in, in those extra watts used uh, by lights that are not dimming down when no one's in an area. Uh, beyond that, I also think from a technical perspective, people are starting to learn and understand that lighting is now electronic. You've got a sensor in every light fixture in your business. There are other things you can do beyond general lighting controls, right? Uh, I, I am at a point where we don't really know what controls is. Everybody talks about controls and has their own general definition, but I think there's so much more possible the minute you have a sensor built into an electronic device. That's really the first electronic device in any new construction uh, that's out there, right? So what can you do beyond general lighting controls? Today, obviously, that's at the forefront because uh, lighting controls are starting to be, become heavily incentivized by utilities in several markets. And so that's a big driving factor for a lot of our customers. Uh, but beyond that, you know, we're seeing security benefits, uh, asset tracking benefits, so on and so forth. Uh, for example, we retrofitted a pretty big garage earlier this year up in Northern California. It's about a million square feet. And beyond the inherent, you know, savings goals, they also had security goals. And the way that they grouped their zone fixtures assisted them in main, you know, managing or maintaining a more secure building, if you will, because uh, on a floor where you could have had just one big group, uh, it was a garage and there's a high level of crime in that garage. And so they said, why don't we make six groups? And that way we can kind of track the perpetrator moving through the garage because it's such a huge garage. We've got three elevators, four stairwells. We often find people in the catch people in the act, but never actually catch the perpetrator. Right. So because of the way now that they've grouped and zoned their light fixtures, they're actually starting to catch these people. Um, and again, I think that involves industry-wide thinking. We've all got to think, not just when talking to end users, contractors, or distributors, but you know, I, I, I think applying it to your own business and thinking, how can sensors in every location help me run a more efficient or uh, better business? Hmm. I think that that's the one thing we look at a lot, at least Michael and I, because from the retrofit side, you know, I get it in new construction all day. Put that new fixture yeah. and get all your controls done. You can wire it. You can do all that. Now you've got an existing building and you're trying to retrofit it and you're trying to make it control capable. That's where it gets difficult. And, you know, you guys have the ability to have all five things. I, I think I agree with the grouping and zoning. I think that's very important and, and often overlooked, you know, even from myself is a lot of times half the jobs or more than half the jobs that go in. The lights aren't necessarily controlled in the zones where they want them. Like if they were one way then the, the whole facility plan shifted. So now they want to change it. That's a, a better way to do it is through a sensor. But if you're trying to do it in an existing fixture and then put a, um, I don't know what your device looks like, but if it has a sensor on it, how do you implant it into a fixture? Or is this only a new fixture play and that's your only choice if you're going to do controls? So with our fixtures, a majority of fixtures, uh, sensors are integral. There are certain applications, uh, warehouse applications with high base, for example, where currently sensors are bolted on. I think, uh, and Steve can speak to this better than I can, I think we are looking at ways to integrate sensors even in that line of products. But that's where the 433 megahertz radio frequency wireless protocol lends itself very well to retrofit applications, right? Because you don't have to lay new, new pipe or wire. It's a very simple install from a technical perspective. Um, and, and I think, you know, in addition to what you said, Greg, that's another thing that's often overlooked. Again, that was our focus from day one, right, is how do we make this as easy to install and easy to program and commission as possible? And that's really been at the forefront of everything we do. So for those listening, Steve's holding up uh, a module. <laughs> right. It looks like a radio module. What is that? Yeah. Uh, this is our radio module that we uh, have clipped for that puts on to our high bay fixtures. So like I was saying before, uh, this this uh, was added for Xelium products in particular. And we had a, uh, a port that allowed you to connect to this. And all the installer would have to do is buy the high bay fixture, mount it as normal, and then clip uh, this onto the edge and it has the sensors pointing down the ground and it's got your antenna sticking up so it can transmit to the other fixtures 
And uh, th this module comes on its own, and uh, you know, it, it's just that an addition to the product. And from the installer's point of view, it's, it's very easy to implement. So, uh, we we have the um, the idea in the lighting business uh, that lighting is going to be the heart of the Internet of Things. Okay. That's a that's the idea behind our system in a way as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's generally accepted by lighting dorks that lighting should be the, the because lighting is so pervasive. There's lighting in every room. There's not other things yep. in every room, right? And so there's this yep. idea that you know lighting should be the heart of the Internet of Things, and I'm okay with that as a philosophy. But then there's also the theory of the Internet of Shit, and I hate to swear on the podcast, <laughs> but there's this idea out there that. Um, the Internet of Things is simply going to introduce more security problems. More, uh, it's going to, it's going to. Uh, there's going to be all kind of manner of defects in the software. It's going to be. Um, they're actually rather than security, Sanjeev. It's going to introduce a threat to your facility that can be um, attacked using by hackers i mean there's the video that was on youtube i can never find it anymore of the guy that hacked into the street lights and he was making them blink off and on he was driving his car with house music i don't know if you saw that video he's going along the road and the lights are blinking off and on so there's a sense in which that you know once we introduce this you know the the, the genie comes out of the bottle um yep. rather than a security an increased security it actually decreases security to your building in a sense and that's from the the idea of the internet of of SHIT. What's Zelium's mm -hmm. position on that when it comes to managing that risk? Because it's not, it's a risk. It's real. People can hack into this sure. if, it's, if it's addressable. Sure. How do they manage yep, so, that and, and why would they want to take that risk, if that makes sense? Yeah, I'll let uh, you want to give something. You want to say something? Yeah, you go ahead and then I'll Yeah, no. So, so I was going to say, you know, I, I don't come from the lighting industry. I'll kind of point out that I've got 20 years in tech prior to coming to lighting and what really attracted me to this industry is the fact that everything's going to controls and controls driven automation, right? Uh, a lot of the points that you bring up, Michael, the same could be said about cell phones in the early days, online banking in the early days, right? But, but both of those are, are products or services that, you know, it create a lot more headaches from a security perspective. Um, however, the benefits far outweigh the negatives, if you will. Uh, to answer, re-answer a question that you asked earlier about, you know, uh, getting all lights. Is our control system limited to our lights or can we kind of control everybody's lights by plugging on a, a module to someone else's lights? Well, by bringing lighting into the IoT realm, that question in essence goes away, right? Because now if every light in your building is connected to the cloud, who cares whose interface I'm using? You could use a third party uh, building management system for two-way control of your lights, right? You're kind of creating that connection with the cloud that enables you to now control your lighting from other applications, if you will, and, and, and do much more than you could historically. So I, I think that's one benefit that's often overlooked in this industry, and we're not quite there yet, but that's what we're making possible by kind of taking a, a lighting into the IoT realm, right? It, it no longer matters, it, and you're no longer stuck to just Zillium or Ico fixtures to be able to use their simple control system. As long as your lights are connected to the cloud, you can use a general interface that you're using at a company-wide level already. There's nothing new to relearn, uh, and you know all your lights are connected, and you can do with with them what you will. Um, so, so I think there's two ways to look at that, right? Well, you, there's always naysayers. There's, you can always bring up negatives in any new technology, but what are the benefits you're really extending to the market? Because I think oftentimes security issues, so on and so forth, they can be resolved by hiring a good IT guy, right? Or, or, or having a good IT firm on your side. Uh, whereas some of the other challenges, there's no solution to them currently. So I, I think as long as you're extending functionality that meets and exceeds the demand of your customer, I think the security issues are, are, are kind of a, you know irrelevant to some degree. Um, yes, it's an issue, but can it be resolved? Can, it, you, know, can you make a system more secure? The answer is always going to be yes. I'm, I'm going to jump in and uh, uh, offer an engineering perspective. Sorry, um, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, at, you learn through security that you know nothing's 100% uh, secure. Nothing, nothing's 100% securable. And um, when when you do add a cloud layer, uh, an IoT internet layer, that that adds uh, a potential of, of remote 
um, capabilities. And um, I, I know, uh, for for instance, DLC is reviewing their cybersecurity standards and for control systems. Um, that's currently in review, and uh, I think it's going to be released in uh, summer of 20, 2021. But, um, you know, that, that is something that we have to think about, especially with cloud-connected and I, IoT uh, systems for lighting, because uh, pretty much the worst-case scenario is that all the lights go out and, uh, you know, people get injured or, or sometimes a security concern. But uh, for, for our lighting system to this point, um, a lot of people like it because... Um, uh, we, we sold it to certain uh, organizations and entities in particular that wanted um, uh, a, a system that is not connected to internet. So um, since ours, uh, it's not on Wi-Fi, it's not, um, it's not reliant on that, that internet capabilities, it's just fixtures communicating by RF to other fixtures um, on a, as a network. So um, uh, our system itself can be self-contained and disconnected from that remote mm. Um, interference capability. So, um, so you'd have to be, you know, near, nearby on site within range to, to do that. And we hope somebody has security cameras in, in that case to resolve that. So, um, some people have been interested in our system in particular because it's, it is disconnected and we've added stuff to our app, like, you know, password protections and, uh, just simple, uh, security stuff as well. But, uh, we're, we have, um, we're focusing our, our development effort efforts, uh, the development we're going to be adding more encryption and things like that uh, we're waiting for dlc to release these updated cybersecurity standards so that we can upgrade our system to meet them but um but yeah so security is a concern and customers express that concern especially when uh when we're talking about high profile customers for um sometimes their military um warehouses or it, it could be something like that so it, it is important depending on the customer and uh and we'll see, but but our system in particular, we we try. We feel like the core fundamentals of of, of the science of our system is it is a different option that can be intriguing to some people. And I, I think you could kind of look at it, you know, as I was listening to that, as a, the system security, like your online, your your security there, but controls can also enhance your personal security. Going back to what you mentioned and being in the garage, where now because you have controls. You can find somebody right. who might be breaking in or, or or you make employees feel safe because lights are on when they need to be on, that kind of thing. So I think it can be looked That's at right. both sides. Uh, a quick yeah. example of a customer that uh, we interface with, uh, Sanjay might have been talking about it, but uh, yeah, uh, one customer wanted a spotlight effect uh, for certain hours of the day so that um, if cops were driving by and they saw lights on in a certain area of their parking lot, they would see lights on and be like, "Hey, there's someone over there. I should go investigate." So, so there, there's a there's a site level security um, advantage there too. Um, it, it depends. I think it's you know I, I look at this and and like this train is coming. Um, uh -huh. You know, uh, controls can solve a lot of problems, non-energy related problems. Okay, That's dark true. sky yes. dark sky issues would be the first one. That, that pops to mind for me. We have miles and miles of highway. I'm in Canada that are lit up for no reason, you know, for, you know, and then controls could be at the heart of that. We have, yeah. uh, you know, wildlife issues in that. So the, this technology is coming and should come. My question, my next question would be, is DLC positioned correctly to be the ones governing and creating these cybersecurity standards? Is that a dangerous um, question for you guys? <laughs> I, I mean, I well, look at I look at yeah, the DLC yeah, and it's like yeah, they started off with lumens per watt. They started off with lumens per watt, right? That was their big thing. Yeah. We want to have the lumens per watt, and then and then they realize, well, there's more to lighting than lumens per watt, and you know now it's the health effects and supplements and lighting's like a supplement, and now it's like okay, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna manage the cybersecurity of the controls. That looks like a pretty diverse portfolio of things to manage. You, you understand what is. I mean? Um, like health effects um, cyber, and cybersecurity. Yeah. I mean, is cyber really even the right word? <laughs> is it? I mean, cyber really sounds uh, like late '90s to me. Um, cyber. Yeah. I mean, so I yeah. is are they the right body to do this, or should it not be like a combination of you guys and Silver and some other people that get together and say this is what we need? It doesn't sound to me like, right. and, and not to take any shots at the DLC, I take shots at them all the time. I'm just not sure that they're best positioned to be dictating here. 
Um, you know, uh, I know DLC is reaching out for input from the community. I know that they're re reaching out for, for experts to give them feedback. Um, cybersecurity, though, might be a domain that's, that's a little more intricate and complicated. And, you know, it's not just lumens per watts. It's not just looking at lights in particular. It's, it's IT level security. It's, um, it, there, there's a lot of layers, uh, in the cybersecurity DLC. So, um, uh, I, I hope they come out with something that, uh, is comprehensive and turns out good. And I'll say it's a good sign that they're reaching out to lots of people for input. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. So, but don't you think that, I mean, it shouldn't, um, I think it would be, a, so, because they're, you know, you guys talked about eliminating the complexity, which I think is super important, which is the fundamental thing that's going to drive this. You know, you talked about having, yeah. opening up your platform, if that's the right word, or allowing for interoperability with other fixtures, extremely important yeah. to me as well. But, yes. and the train is coming down the pipe, but is it not? federal government level here that should maybe look at this? Should we not, should the industry not turn mm -hmm. to the government and say we need actual laws, not industry best practices here to govern this, to really make the, because what we want is the, we want yeah. comfort at the end user level, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we want. I'm not, right. Um, I'm not super up to date on what the government's um, doing and, and whether they should or not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they, they know what they're doing either. So um, it's, uh, it's um, uh, you know, you, you have certain security standards from UL, you have certain security standards from you know, the, the IT certification community, things like that. And maybe that's what needs to happen. Um, but um, I don't know. If DLC reaches out for help in the right places, it could be a good thing. But uh, it, security is a complex, complex issue. So um, it's hard to say. I agree with Sanjeev. I agree with Sanjeev's earlier point that risks in in potential risks to security are not a reason are not a reason not are not are not a reason not to innovate. I don't know if that that sentence is constructed correctly. Yeah, right? and, and I'll analogize that for for your viewers. Uh, so I mentioned our CEO is Bob Diamond, commercialized sure. caller ID back in the late seventies, early nineteen eighties. I will never forget a story he once told me that when he was first bringing caller ID to market through AT and T, nobody wanted it. Everybody saw it as a privacy threat. Right? They actually had to so go caller ID. Court. Let's just explain that for the listeners. So like, someone calls you on your phone, you can see who it is. And the number pops up. Ex exactly right. right. The, the, the general market back in the late 70s, early 1980s saw that as a security or privacy threat, right? I don't want people to know when I'm calling them. And what they had to do was show, go into court, into a courtroom and basically tell a panel of judges or I, I kind of don't know how it went down exactly. But basically, they made the point that when someone rings on your doorbell at home, you look through the people. You're not thinking of that as an invasion of piracy. It's the same thing. Someone comes to your phone. This is like the people that lets you see who's calling, right? So there's always naysayers. There's always going to be people people who think see certain things as a security or privacy threat. But then I, I think you've always got to look at the advantages and the benefits, right? Because oftentimes, if you look closely enough, they're going to outweigh the negatives. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, there's not I, a person I, listening to this well, podcast well, to doesn't to, use caller ID. Right. To add to that analogy, it's like we all have phones. It's like, do you want to return your phones because they're vulnerable at some level? It's like, no, like lighting needs to continue forward. And uh, they, they do things like encryption, encryption through uh, the transmissions and you have your passwords. Uh, you can do the same thing in lighting. So um, we, we can secure it to a certain level and hopefully those standards are appropriate. Mm hmm. And remember, we're not we're speak we're not speaking to the end users here. We're speaking to other people that sell light bulbs every day, that sell lighting every day, and so they they sure. have these questions, they have these concerns, but at, by the same token, they have customers asking them for these types of systems, and so we want to yeah. unpack these so that people can have a realistic understanding of what they should expect um, when they're when they're deploying a Zifi. Um, Zelium fixture system to the customer in a new build in a in a retrofit scenario. Um, how they can sell it, what the pro, what the you know what the possible cons that need to be covered are for the for the customer, so that they can say, okay, yeah, and when you when you when you deploy this, you then must secure it, and here's how you do that. And so, 
how do we get this education to the distributor contractor level where it needs to be? Because it, it, it like Zelium, you're you're one of the players in this game. There's other players in this game, but you all have the same problem. Okay, I know something you don't know. That's your problem, right? Uh, how do we get this education dripped down to the distributor contractor level? Because I'll tell you right now. There's a lot of specialist contractors out there to do it, but it's not a general lighting play in the market right now. How do we do that? I don't know who wants to take that, Sanjeev or Steve. Sure. I mean, it's a great question and it really hits home for me because, you know, again, being new to the lighting industry, I've had to find a way to kind of market a control system when the general market doesn't even realize they need it, right? And working through distribution, which is kind of one of the traditional channels in lighting, didn't necessarily work because anytime you drop a fully integrated product in front of them that often carries a higher price tag than, you know, a low end strip fixture to which you can bolt on a $5 motion sensor, that's always the route they're going to choose. So I, I don't necessarily know that that's the right market to target, but we, you know, in large part, our success has come through the contractor channel. And that's really involved on my part, getting in front of that them audience, right? Whether you find ways to, you know, and events where there are groups of them in one location so you can make the pitch once and not a hundred times that's that's widely beneficial um but look i i've not been above and beyond going door to door in the contractor channel and kind of showing them what our control system does how it works working with them through their first few projects and just getting them hooked on the system because again that, that that's a big challenge for that channel is the ongoing kind of installation challenge in in an ever-evolving market uh, a lot of the more robust control solutions out there change from month to month there's new functionality added uh there may be changes in how you set things up and that's where you know by keeping it very simple and limiting the functionality you make it more appealing to that channel or market in the sense that they know that if they install a garage with zelium lighting in january it's not going to be that much different in june of this year right there's going to be nothing for them to relearn and they've been a huge proponent to our success what do they so call they call how do we that do it? They call that innovation fatigue, I think, or something like that, where, you know, like a, a product, you know, changes so quickly that the yep. customer, yes, it's, it supposedly is better, but the customer cannot keep up with the changes, thus complexity right. is introduced, thus the customer gives up on the technology. So I, I, right. think, it's, I think that's important to, 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 a, to a, you know, minimize the amount of updates you do or the amount of changes to your platform you make. Um, but isn't is there not something that we can teach? Are there not general principles of this that can be taught that are below Xi-Fi or Bluetooth mesh that the industry can learn in order to sure. be Sure. I mean, I, I, I think in simplifying, a contractor is not able to get on and off a job more quickly, but they're able to book more jobs in a year, right, where they have to install and, and program and commission control. So I think when you relate it to their bottom line, they're much more quick to understand uh, that that point. So I, I think you're right. We do need to get beneath that. And I think that's really how you do it. Because again, you know, a lot of people look at the cost of products or the bill of materials on most lighting projects. Very few people actually take it a step further and, and look at the labor cost unless you're the end user, right? So the minute you look to the, at the labor cost and, and labor costs are higher than ever, right? It's one of the biggest, typically one of the biggest uh, expenditures on the job. Yeah, I've got all these lights. I need someone to install them. I need someone to program them. Uh, in certain markets, I mean, I live in California, labor is often the most expensive component of a job. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think relating it to their bottom line certainly helps. Uh, not only can they get on and off their jobs faster, but that enables them to book more jobs in a year. I think what it comes down to with lighting controls and, and what you're selling, and Michael, you, you summed it up great. You might not have realized it, but you sell energy savings and comfort to the end user. And that's it. That's what a lighting control does. And the part that we struggle with defining the energy savings, we can kind of define. We guess at it a lot of times. But it's that comfort at the end user level that is difficult to define and sell. You know, I was in a site the other day and they said, well, we want to control these lights because we have engineers in here who want the lights off so they can see their computer screen and do whatever they do. Um, and then they go, and I don't care about the rest of the people, you know? And, and so that's where I see controls is like, we're doing it in certain areas, but not the full building, the full building from the energy that, saving standpoint. And that one for the comfort of the end user. But I think that's it. That that's a great point. And if you look at electronics in general, you know, other products, other electronic products, comfort and convenience 
often comes in the form of a fully integrated product, right? Uh, I, I mean, I, I alluded to the fact a lot of folks in, in distribution are more than happy to kind of show you a fixture and bolt on a third-party sensor, right? But think about mm -hmm. other devices in your life. Your phone, for example, you don't buy phones that way. You don't buy a phone at the AT&T store, walk across the street, tape on a Verizon antenna, and then activate your service. Right. It's a lot easier to just pull a phone out of the box and have it work, right? And, and again, that's, that's the position we've kind of taken. Sanjeev, Steve, uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, you know, I think it's an interesting time. Uh, you know, I talked about that boom-bust cycle. I think that what was missing before were all the non-energy benefits of controls. And now we're seeing yep. the emergence of that into the market. It's a, I, I, uh, I think there's um, uh, maybe a race to see which platform is going to be adopted, perhaps, or whether yeah. a couple different platforms will be adopted. Um, we're still on that stage. Yeah, and, and how... These like, is there going to be an Apple and an Android or is there just going to be an Android situation? Um, and I think it's interesting also to look at lighting for the first time as a product that consumers interact with. I, I, that, that, that's interesting. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I, I, it's an interesting perspective, Sanjeev. What you're saying is that, you know, and we saw this years ago, many years ago with the LEDs. That this idea that lighting is going to be is going to become a consumer product is going to become something that the people under the light pay attention to and then want to address in some way, like that engineer's office you were talking about, Greg. I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but it's interesting. To, I'm sure it's going to happen to a certain extent, but if it starts to become, you know, something that's the standard, you'll see accelerating movement towards controls especially if the industry can adopt a standard, especially if the, I hate the word cyber, um, if the, uh, but if the cyber security issues can be addressed to a reasonable perspective, I think the growth is absolutely massive in this, in this part of the market. Yeah, yep. And I don't necessarily think it's one size fits all either, right? I mean, I, I think the simplicity of our controls lends itself well to a certain customer type. And then there are others that worry constantly about the security <laughs> challenges and so on and so forth. And, you know, they may be more inclined to go a different route. So, you know, it, it may not become as simple as Apple and Android, but I, I do agree with you. At some point, there will be a shakeout and consolidation, and uh, there will be fewer options available to the customer than there are today. Because I think today, a lot of customers' heads are spinning just, you know, based on the on the number of control systems available to them. I mean, how, how do you even choose when you've got 30 options, 50 options listed on the DLC's approved uh list of network lighting controls. It's a different, it's a difficult decision for an end user to make. Um, and I, I and think I to think some that, degree, the industry is going to have to make it for them. Yeah. And that's when, that's when Michael, going back to your point, when we are going to be comfortable selling it, sorry, control companies, but until I know that, then I'm comfortable selling it to my customer. Well, I, I think, I think what you, so is it a winner takes all? I mean, like that's, that's an interesting place right so like google the search engine was a winner takes all game um the social networking wasn't a winner takes all game so there's different situations where we see these things happening i think what what greg is what you're saying is greg if i may correct it a little bit yeah. mm -hmm. you're uncomfortable promoting lighting controls if that's correct. it we're not I, I think what we're where we are is that right now in this development and it's accelerating very quickly um but where we are at the development is at the distributor level, we're aware of it. We understand it. We have courses about it that we're training people on, but we're kind of in the mode where we're unsure to recommend to our clients. If the client asks for it, then we turn to the Zeliums of the world and so on. And we, we go look into it and we kind of find out what's going on. So you have this thing where contractors are are on, like encountering this here and encountering it there, but eventually they're going to encounter it on every single project. And and Greg, it's it's just going to be involved in every in five or ten years. It's going to be in every single, <clears throat> never mind lighting project. It's going to be in every refrigerator. I mean, Sanjeev, you talk about you talk about the dial. Um, what do you call it? A caller ID. Okay. Yep. okay, imagine you know 1984. If I told you you're going to watch your TV and your oh, TV is wow. going to watch you, boy. Yeah, you can't buy a TV that doesn't watch you now. Like That's you right. can't do that. It's not possible to do that. Yep. 
right? And if you had mm-hmm. told people yeah. in the 1970s, what? yeah, you know what? Your grandkids are going to watch TV and their TVs are going to watch them. No way they would have gone for that. But I mean, it is what it is. So we're, we're moving towards this because the benefits of it are just, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, having your turning on your TV and saying, hey, do you, hey, log into Netflix, log into Hulu, log into this, do this, do that, do the, all this stuff automatically coming to you. It's like, you know, mo- listen, people are saying, yeah, it's worth it. That's what they're saying. They're That's not right, saying, bro. get out of my home. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. The speed of innovation well, is, you know, outpa- outpacing the speed of the security to, to follow it. But, um, you know, the, you're right. The, the innovation is still desirable. Um, a, a, as far as lighting systems go, um, you know, it, it may not be a winner-take-all, but, uh, yeah, it's going to become a bigger player. Uh, you're going to see more bigger names and more, um, more availability and more consistent. Yeah. Okay, before I let you guys go, I got to put on my tinfoil hat for a minute and uh, okay. go full chemtrails and flat earth. Okay. okay. All right. This is a podcast after all. Yes. So <laughs> we do, we also, as you guys know, you guys are nailed. Ico's a proud nailed member from your lightings. We're uh-huh. all nailed members here. So uh, in our light read last week, there was an article about Wi-Fi. Okay. And I have a bit of a meme on this show called the matrix. Okay. And I actually believe I believe that some combination of Li-Fi or 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 Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or connected lighting will become the matrix. Like you'll literally be in the internet. Okay. And there was an article uh-huh. that came out that said that the Wi-Fi could detect movement. Is that what it was, Scott? Yeah, like Sorry, a man. Wi-Fi mesh could detect movement. So the like interruptions to the radio signal. Okay, uh-huh. was able to detect yeah. movement. Now, if that's not Neo and Orpheus and everybody else in forty years, I don't know. You guys are in this. Am I crazy, or are we headed to the Matrix? I don't know. We're, we're um, just trying I've to save worked. you a buck, man. No? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, Red pill or as, blue as pill? As Come on, Steve. Which yeah. one are you taking? I, I could take the the blue pill on this because um, uh, I don't know. Uh, RF in particular, if you're talking about Wi-Fi signals like that, I mean they're they're hard to control. But uh, I don't I, I don't think we're gonna, I think we've talked about crazy technologies since the 1700s, and you know there's there's crazy ideas that come up all the time that just aren't practical. And um, I, I think we're gonna stick to what's practical, and um, the regulations <laughs> are gonna catch up. I, I think. Um, that you are going to see interesting technologies and interesting use of sensors and how they how they um, apply to you reliably because because what falls through in the end is technology that works reliably. I, I I'm just picturing these Wi-Fi waves and someone stepping in between them like that's not going to be reliable. <laughs> it says there, there could be there could be a flutter of air that comes through and then it says there's motion and it's not. It's just just air. Nobody's going to be able to debug that or anything. So so that that kind of Craziness. I mean, like in, in a lab, it's probably possible, but you're probably not going to see it as a as a reliable, functional product. Some, something crazy like that. So, so the that's essence my, is that Xelium's going to be and other connected technologies to be as effective have to be super simple, boring, and effective. Definitely not boring, but um, <laughs> effective, simple, and utilizes all the integrated sensors in the most. Um, effective way. I, I mean, we're looking to um, add more interesting sensors and, and build it out from there. But um, it, if it's, if it's, I don't know. If you see, if you're if you're looking for something that's totally left field, then um, I don't know. But uh, we're looking tin foil at, hats coming off. Inno- <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not a tin foil hat guy, but uh, I, I do believe it in the core um, elements of, of the sensors and the sensors that. Um, I pick up on good data and then testing that, making sure it's simple, reliable, and everybody can install it. Uh, so we're not entering the matrix. We're just saving energy and adding the non-energy benefits of lighting. Hey, Steve and Sanjeev, thanks for being a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting. Thank you guys, Thank you guys for fun, having man. us. Yeah. It, was, it yeah. was a blast. Yeah, yeah good time. Awesome. Bye! Zelium by Ico. Go to Ico.com, click on Zelium. And like I said in the intro, Greg, Come on down to Bluxy, Mississippi and check them out at the Nailed Show. They're everywhere, though. They're at all the lighting shows. 
And they are. And this product they have is unique. The Zeolium uh, wireless control fixtures. It's an intelligent LED lighting control system which enables fixtures to become an individual network node and then allows for unlimited nodes in a system. And so what does that do? It gives customers flexibility, gives them peace of mind, gives them the capability to do what they want with the light, and they make it easy. And I think that's important in lighting. Give people the capability to do what they want to do, and Zelium does that better than anyone. I agree with that, but also I think, you know, it's time to have, you know, have the Zelium guy from Michael come on down to your shop or get your people to learn about this stuff a little bit. It's going to be big soon. So get them to learn hey, about it. another thing. What's that? It's a DLC certified for the network lighting controls qualified products list. In our territory, a DLC control system is uh, 10 times the rebate of a non-DLC controlled system. So, there you go, buddy. Holy macaroni. <laughs> yep. So, you know, get those people. Listen, when there's rebate money sloshing around out there, you got to get your hooks into it. It's just sloshing around everywhere. Come on. <laughs> Get your hooks into it, man. Learn about it. Learn about it, man. And how do you learn about it? You learn about it by calling ICO, calling your ICO rep, especially if you have already have an account with them. Get them down to your shop. They're going to tell you about it. Figure out what fixtures it's on, how it works, how can you, how they can, how you, how they can help you sell it. So go to ICO.com, check out Zelium. And Greg nailed. Come on, man. National Association of Innovative Line Distributors. We're going to be in Biloxi, son, 19th to 23rd of April. Get there. Get there. And Steve Holman and Sanjeev Thakkar, thanks for coming on the show and telling us all about uh, about the Zelium system with ICO. And I think it's a big move for both those companies, and I'm glad they're together, and I'm glad they're members of Nailed. Folks, thank you for listening. Bye for now. Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. You are lost, Lord is there to find you.